We're in our second week of uh, the doctrine of the church, the study of the church. The word for that is called ecclesiology. Um, last week, we uh, basically did sort of a, an overarching view of, of what the term means. As we continue this week, I want to first ask you guys if you need Bibles, you can just raise your hand and uh, we will pass those out. Also, uh, there's a couple right here too, bud. Also, just want to encourage you, um, in our local body, in our community, uh, we're, we, we want to make sure that if there's questions uh, that can really help the, the, the community here, to feel free to ask those. We ask them out loud, and I'll position those, and, I'll, and if, if the Lord has given me uh, wisdom to answer it right now, I'll answer it. If not, I won't, or I'll, I'll sort of uh, petition the local body, or um, we'll come back later, and I'll research. But, but we really want uh, the questions to come out so that um, our, our knowledge can lead toward worship. We just don't want to get smarter, uh, but we really want to be able to worship God. And we do that by responding to him based on who he is and what he's done. And so with right understanding, that's what's pre- that predicates worship. So, you, um, so that's our heart behind that. So I just want to free you, free you guys up to be able to ask questions and things of that sort. Um, really excited. Uh, last week, uh, as we continue, as we, as we move on, uh, we were just basically talking about the church's identity. I was trying to show, and I heard that Matt Groups uh, hopefully went well, I was trying to show uh, basically the timeline, because sometimes we can think that there's a discontinuity uh, all together with what we're doing right now as church and what happened in the past. Uh, and although there's some discontinuity, there's a lot of unity. And so we talked about that to see, like, first, first question we have to ask ourselves is, 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 is what is the church and, and where did it come from? And so that's what we did last week. If you uh, did not get that, there are some notes online. Sadly, uh, it did not record. So um, we don't have that recording for you, but we are making sure that this one uh, records. But it sort of went like this in a nutshell. We basically painted a picture that uh, because of Jesus, so Jesus is the foundation of the church's identity. All right, we're going to jump right in. Um, so his victorious work basically sort of sets a, a framework, a parameter of how now the people of God are to do life, right? So, so Jesus comes, he, he intrudes this fallen world, the world's messed up, it's decayed because of sin, right? We're going into decreation. Jesus comes into the fallen world. What he does, he punches a hole and brings in this whole dominion of the new age. So we were talking about that last week, this whole, this, this, this new kingdom coming into the now. Right? And we talked about that sense of like you have, we talked about uh, God, covenant, sin, exile, restoration, new creation. Okay? And that we as a church, we live between restoration, we've been restored, and new creation. God fully making everything perfect where he merges the heavens, the new heavens, and the new earth. And he is experiencing his full glory. And no longer do we even need faith because we have sight because we are with him. Okay? Uh, so... He puts us in there now, uh, in, that, in that time now, this new age. He dies for our sins. Uh, he conquers death by his resurrection. Uh, he ascends to the right hand of the Father as king overall. Um, and then what he does is he commissions us as a church uh, to be his heralds. So that's where we stopped last week. All right? So here's where we're going to start this week. We're, I want to propose to you that we're talking about today the mission of the church. So now we say, okay, so that's, that's where the church came from. It was... Say this, this, this little group of people, Israel, uh, was following Yahweh. They thought that Yahweh was just their God, but Yahweh was the creator of the whole universe. Yahweh says, hey, I'm not just here for you. You're supposed to be a light to let the whole world understand that all other gods and all, and all other 
uh, idols are false. There's only one true real God, and it's me. These people were supposed to come to Yahweh. They did not. They continued to fail. The Israelites did. Jesus comes to be that perfect representative. He succeeds where Israel fails, and he points people to himself. And so in revealing that, Yahweh is found in Jesus, in Jesus our king. Okay? So now then he brings in these new people saying, by faith, by trusting and having your confidence in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ, can all people be believers? Can all people experience true life? Can all people be newly created? Right? And so now that's where we are as this church today. So here's the starting point of today. With that being said, I want to propose that we, if we're going to talk about the mission of the church, we have to have these five things uh, in our minds, in our hearts. We have to understand these five things first. That the gospel story demands that it destroys all of the rival narratives, right, that have been formed in your life, okay? So you can't talk about the mission of the church until you are willing to say, whatever narrative I have in my mind, right, that, doesn't, that is not the gospel narrative, it needs to be debunked. It needs to be destroyed. You can't have another story in your heart and yet say you want to still fulfill the mission of God. Okay, you can't say, no, I want to fulfill the mission of God and I want to worship money. Can't do that. Those are two competing narratives. Those are enemies. So, so, so Jesus is assuming when he, when he gives the mission of the church, he's assuming you're all in. See, we, we do it different. When we, when we do evangelism, we talk to people about Christ, we, and, we, and we even challenge the people who say, I believe in Jesus, right? People, you guys here who are here, and for whatever reason, a lot of you have said, I give my life to Jesus, right? Jesus assumes you're all in, and so then his, 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 his callings, his mandates are super radical, but they're only they're radical for people who aren't all in. For people who are all in, it just makes sense. So he's saying this is the real story. He said, oh, actually, I know you thought, I know you thought yeah, you were, you were made out of water and all this stuff or whatever, whatever, whatever thinking you have. He said, no, but this is the real story. I'm the king of the world. I'm the king. I created you to worship me. This is the story. Take all the other things because they're false. This is the, this, this thesis of Christ is the one event in history in which it demands all of our attention and it's, it's the one in which everything else is birthed from. Everything else we do should be birthed from this narrative. And that's why he comes and exposes on the scene, because he wants people to actually rethink how they do life. When he comes on the scene, that's, what, that's, what, that's why they killed him. Because this man was telling me that my life was no longer my own, that I got to submit to him. I got to listen to his ways. I got to do his bidding. Uh-oh. The second thing, the second starting point, that's just the starting point, is that the central theme of the story of God is the story of God and his activity and purpose in renewing the entire creation. Is that the central theme in all of our lives, if you're saying, I, I want to follow this Jesus figure, or I want to know more about Jesus, the, the, the assumption is that you, you're getting the fact that, okay, well, his narrative is really about his glory and not yours. It's about, what God, it's about this creation project that our father has, is that he made creation. Creation got marred because of our sin. And then what God is going to do is he's going to re, he's remaking, as it were, new creation. And he starts with us, his people. Well, he started with Jesus, praise the Lord, right, the firstborn from the dead, the scriptures say. And then he allows that new creation to flow through us, and then he's going to newly create everything. That's, that's the goal of existence. That's why God created all things for his glory. Right? 
So if you're thinking it's something else, he's like, you missed it. So it means now we have to reorient our lives based on that narrative. So life is about, okay, Jesus comes on the scene, and it's about God. So I'm born to fulfill this thing that God wants to do where he's trying to make all things new, and he wants me to be a part of that. Okay. Number three, central theme is Jesus and the good news, the gospel, that he is and brings. So in all that, guess what? Jesus is the central character in all those, in that narrative. So in what, in what God is doing to creation, Jesus is the star. He's the one. There's no competing stars. The coming of the kingdom comes because of him. He triumphs alone over sin, death, evil, and Satan. He is where everything should point to. Number four, Jesus works out these redemptive purposes by choosing people to be his agents of announcement to the world where history is going. We're going to talk about this next week, the nature of the church, okay? But I'm going to give you a little preview. What Jesus does is he, he then says, you and I, we get to be these people who basically get to announce to the world. This is what you, you and I do when we walk around. You go to work. Uh, you know, you go and get gas in your car, and you're, and you're planting your garden, and you're loving your wife. And whatever you're doing as a kingdom person, God is saying, guess what your role is? Is you're like an announcer. You're, 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 you're a sportscaster. News, you're just telling the world, hey, actually, what I am, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you see, help you understand what God is doing in creation and what he's going to do in the future. He's going to make all things new just like he made me. See, the world isn't, the world kind of, where's history going? What are we going to do? Right? You're kind of lost. If you don't know Jesus, you have no clue. You just, you're kind of purposeless. But see, we know where history is going. We know exactly where it's going, and we know who will be its king. And, and, and what we do is we just announce that to the world through our proclamation, through our works, through our love. Number five. These are all starting points. I want to propose to you, if you miss one of these, we, it, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna make your understanding of the mission of the church flawed. It's going to be flawed. It's going to be man-centered in some capacity. If you can't ascribe to each one of these and say, yep, I'm down there. Yep, I struggle with that one, but I know it's true, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me work there. Yep, like, right? If you can't do that, then we're talking about the mission of the church, and we're going to be on two different paradigms. Number five, Jesus, we talked about this last week, Jesus is beginning a new chosen community, right? We talked about this last week, that is birthed from a continuous community already established. That's, that's a beautiful thing. I love, see, we, you know, I'm a, we're all American here, and I, I tell you, like, you know, you, you, before I started going overseas and seeing other, other countries, you just think your country is so old and it's always been here. And I mean, we are, ba- we're, America is a baby, absolute baby. We have no clue what we're doing, right? And here's the kicker. So you, you, you can see it even how, you know, I was talking to my buddy James, and he, um, he lives in Germany. He was saying how it's funny how um, in America, right, we, we don't like to, well, I'm generalizing, but just in a nutshell, we see this in our housing. 
we are very quick to destroy and rebuild, okay? Right? Like, we, we think people are weird when they try to keep a house and keep, like, and keep the, the structure from 1900s. We're like, wait a minute, and it's just tear down, dog, and throw that drywall up. Why you got to get that old plaster, right? That's how we think, right? Why? Because we have all this space and all this stuff, right? We can do that. We have all these resources. So when you have a lot of resources, you tend to waste them. Right? Well, in other countries, they don't have that kind of space. Right? They don't have all those kind of resources. And so they have to learn how to make things last. Right? And so things last for a long time. See, we have a mindset of discontinuity where we are quick to say, done, and then it start here. But see, the gospel story is trying to teach us that, no, you have a lineage. You're not just some... I love the Lord, me and my Jesus, and Starbucks Christian. No, that's not biblical. You are part of a lineage of thousands of years. You are part of Abraham's seed. And he wants you to know that, embrace it, celebrate it, understand it. It's very important so God can get all the glory. When you realize this story, see, when you start thinking like that, and it's not about just you and your Bible and some coffee, right? Now it becomes, the gospel story becomes bigger than you. When it's thousands of years and you're insignificant, insignificant at the same time, now this, this, this thing we're doing here is bigger than us. Because it is. This road of redemption that is going to culminate in God's full glory is going to be about him. And when you see that, man, there's millions and millions of believers who fought and died and worked hard for the Lord and filled the Spirit and did all these things, and I'm just one of them. It just provides humility, and it points to God's glory. You are part of something that's happened long before you were thought of. Those are our five. Okay, now, so we start there. We affirm that. Okay, I'm, I'm down with those five. And we say, well, what's the main question? The main question is, what is the mission of the church? Okay, what, what is God asking? And we say mission, but the basic question we're, we're asking is, what is Jesus asking the people of God to go in the world to do? Okay, you see, you're part of this, this body now. You go, so now what are we supposed to do? Now, let's just define some terms real quick. Mission right, refers to something or someone who has been sent out with a task. And that's why um, one of the things I learned when I was in seminary, I love, uh, that, that really sunk deep into me, is that the, 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 the verb tenses uh, that are so just, just enamored in the gospels of the being the sent people. Um, it, it says it a lot like that in the Greek. The, the sent ones, da-da-da-da, the sent ones. It, it, it's a term right, where God, God is, he calls the, the sent people of God. Right? And so even in Revelation, you have the sent people of God and you have the earth dwellers. <laughs> right? And the concept is of, of one people who, who are going to do something for the Lord. The other one, earth dweller, is like a person who you don't even get that you're, that you're, that you're bigger than the earth. And so all you do is just eat the earth. That's all you do. You just worship. You're just, a, you're just an earth dweller. It's a concept. So I want I wanted to understand mission is very important because it's, 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 it's integral to who we are as a people of God. Because the mantle he's given us when he made us born again. He said, I made you my child, so that, dot, dot, dot. Uh, the word uh, church, uh, the assembly, we talked about last week, right? The corporate body, uh, worldwide or even local here, 
right? And I love, that, I love that unity and diversity that God just has all throughout every aspect of how we do life, right? The unity, we're part of this whole body in the world that loves Jesus. And the diversity, we're a local body right here seeing the gospel come forth. All right, we're going to pause there, do some terms. I want to talk real quick about the danger because uh, a lot of times we, we love in our culture to not define uh, things, especially, especially things that have a, um, uh, a next step or way where it says, hey, if you don't do it this way, then you know you failed, right? What we can do to try to get away from accountability is you don't define something, right? If I don't define it, then I never know if I did it well or bad, then I'll never be held accountable, and then I'm cool, right? Here's a danger uh, with no definition of mission, especially here in our community. Uh, I would say the first one is we can place on people non-negotiables that should be healthy considerations. What I mean by that is um, if, you, if you don't define mission, you can start having your hot spots be principles when they're really preferences in the Bible, right? And you have people telling you you're not doing a real, you're not being serious about Jesus if you're not sending your kid to public school, right? Or you're not being serious about Jesus if you're not recycling, right? You're not being serious about Jesus, right? If you, right, you know, if you eat processed food, right? Those things are awesome. I want to propose to you that's not the mission. You're not, being, you're not serious about Jesus, you know, if you don't let, if you're not caring for kids and, and they don't, and they're not reading at grade level. It's important. It's not the mission. You start making these things non-negotiables. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe you're doing that. And we, and we, and we get crazy. Oh, my goodness, so what, what, is the, what, do, what do I do? See, if you undefine it, then guess what? People get to tell you what the mission is. That's real scary. And what we want, we want God to tell us what the mission is. Another thing is we can get more concerned a lot of times, especially in our community, and we got, we got the bio community, all right, y'all off the chain. We can get more concerned and excited about renewing the city than disciple-making. If we're not defining the mission, we can get more claps of raising money for the CDC than seeing people get into discipleship. That's cool. I love flowers. Okay? I like, not ho- I like nice houses. That's not the mission. The mission isn't to make my brother and sister who's my neighbor who's poor middle class. It might take the noise out of his ears or her ears. It might allow them to hear the gospel, praise the Lord. It's not necessarily the mission. We got to get it right, can't? all right, fam? So what happens, another danger is we, we can make everything that is good equally important. Okay? Right? We can have equivalent important, right? Gardening, tutoring, boarding houses, rebuilding a city. And so we have to all come to grips with everything good is not equally important. I want to propose to you there are two good things and one can be more important. And I also want to submit to you, family, that the mission of God is the most important thing. So when we, now we can define it. So we have to all affirm this is more important. 
So what is it? Well, this is affirming it's most important. Because then if it's not your hotspot, this is have humility and enjoy the Lord. And let's put put everything in perspective, okay, guys? Finally, um, when you don't define a mission, what can happen is you can feel burden or guilt that we're not doing enough or serving enough. When When you don't define it, and we got all this stuff we could be doing in our body, which we do, very quickly you can find yourself going, oh, my goodness, they want me to do this and this and this. And you can't find yourself just being able to sit down one day and just watch a football game and it'd be okay. Now, before we go into specifically the mission, I want to say, Priority is extremely important. I, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, my, my heart is as your leader, I'm trying to hopefully build conviction that, man, priority is important. Some things are more important than others. Okay? Now, if, if, now here's when priority usually is a non-issue. Okay? Here's where I would say, okay, you got me. Priority is a non-issue if God didn't define a mission. Right? If he didn't define it, then, okay, then we just walk around and do what we want to do. Or we had unlimited time, right? Jesus never coming back, right? So we're just going to be kingdom servants till everybody just dropped dead, right? Or, and we have and had unlimited resources. If we have unlimited resources and we, and G, you know, time's unlimited, we have forever, and God didn't define a mission, then I would propose to you there'll be no reason why I'll be sitting up here leading you in this framework of saying there's a priority and we should put some things higher than others because we got all the time in the world, we got all the resources in the world, and our king didn't define a mission. But guess what? He defined the mission, our resources are limited, and our time is limited. And so when you don't have all the stuff that you need, right, that means some of it has to go somewhere and some of it doesn't go somewhere because you put it over here. When you use something in one place, that means it did not get used in another place. You feeling me, guys? When you spend time in this area, that means that time was not spent in this area. It is what it is. Fam, I'm I'm, I'm trying to propose that gaining clarity on the mission... um, it's all about first agreeing on what's most important. All right? Um, so I remember I, was at, I got invited to this. <laughs> I still get off. Um, it was uh, some of the probably most pro- pro- profound African-American leaders in, in the country, and, and they invited me to this, this meeting, which was hilarious. And so... Uh, I'm in there, and um, I don't know if you guys have heard of a guy named Tabidi. Uh, he's extremely, well, no, he's on the Gospel Coalition, blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm sitting here hanging with, like, Tabidi and Trip Lee and these guys, and I'm like, this is hilarious, right? And so uh, they started having a, a discussion, and it was another guy, forget his name, he's extremely prominent too, you guys probably know him, um, a, a professor at Wheaton. And he was very into, like, hey, you know, we are doing... Um, I just love learning about, like, listening to different music and all music, as long as the person is a Christian. And there's having this debate on if a person is a Christian, but, he's, but, his, but his gospel message isn't articulately clear in his song, right, is that good or worse 
or the same as a Christian who makes the gospel extremely clear. Isn't that a good discussion? Right? That's a good one, right? For, yeah, do that. And so we're going through it. And in Tabidi, just, it was just really cool. Like, you know, this guy's real smart. He's just sharing. He has all these little nuances. And Tabidi just said, man, at the end of the day, I'm going to make sure I, didn't, I don't get it wrong here. Um, Tabidi said, uh, well, you, have, you would have to say to clearly have the gospel proclaimed proclaim must be of more value because the Bible tells us so. And the conversation ended. It was like no more, no people haunting their degrees and look at me. None of that. Dude was like, yep. Sometimes it's so simple, isn't it? So we don't like to hear that. Now we're sitting here going, where's that true? Well, look at the scriptures. Romans 10, it's, it's clear. God, the Lord is like, at the end of the day, he wants the gospel going forth. Now, there's nuances in like, you know, when you love somebody and then they hear the gospel. We're not talking about that. We're saying basically on the paper, is, the, is there a priority? Is there one more clear than others? Right? And we're going we're gonna to we're gonna, we're gonna deal with this in a moment. But I thought it was a profound time for me. I was watching these guys banter back and forth and hearing that explanation. is hearing, hearing Tabidi just say, it seems to me when you say, when you make the gospel clear to somebody, that Jesus really likes that more. I thought, makes kind of sense. Um, Here's one thing I want to make sure uh, that I think another danger finally, and I I missed this one, uh, we can begin to think, especially in our community, that there are a lot of problems in the world and we're responsible for solving those problems. Now, a lot of problems will get solved when we're on a mission, but your mission isn't to solve problems in the world. Your mission is not to solve problems in the world. I would say that's theologically flawed altogether, considering we're in a fallen world, and guess what? The world isn't going to get increasingly better, not with a bunch of evil people and more evil people being birthed. It's not going to happen, guys. Okay. So what is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to, and I want to say this really clearly and slowly so we can see this, Bring glory to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way we do that is by making disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit so the world may worship and enjoy Jesus. Let me say it again. The reason why you and I live, when he made us new believers, and what does he want us to do now, is he wants us to bring glory to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way, well, I would say it like this. The mission of the church is to make disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll unpack what make disciples mean, but we're going to see, we're going to see from Jesus' words this piece, and we're going to unpack what that means, but that the mission of the church is to make disciples. And it was funny. Um, have you noticed the big craze lately in the Christian culture on discipleship? It's hilarious. I mean, this is true. So six was six years ago. Six years ago, a friend of mine, probably a little less, actually like four years ago, four, five, ah, four to six. Um, uh, a leader, a friend of mine, was like, "Eric, I don't know why we're so focused on discipleship. Um, I don't really know if, because 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 six years ago it wasn't like that. Everybody wasn't talking about discipleship. Good friend of mine, writing all kind of books. I showed him discipleship to find. He said, "Guess what, man? Just what he said to me." Very prominent guy. You guys all know him. He said, Eric, well, 
I just don't think discipleship is a hot topic right now. That's what he said to me. He said, so I don't think you should write this book. Actually, he was like, so I'm not going to help you get it published because it's really not what people are talking about right now. It was funny. Another guy, a friend of mine, said, um, he was like, man, I don't even know when I look at the scriptures if God is just talking. I think he's just talking to the apostles. I don't think he's talking to everybody. Right? These are, and, I, and I'm not hating on these guys. I'm just telling you the framework. Okay? And now I'm like, I'm blown away because you got Francis Chan. You got my boy who wrote Radical. You got all these discipleship websites, you know. And everyone's affirming. John Piper. I mean, all these different people are saying, dude, the mission of the church is to make disciples. All of a sudden, it's just like everyone's realizing that that's what it, I mean, maybe it was already in books and stuff, but now people are writing books about it, okay? So I'm, I'm blown away in six years how things have gone full circle. Now, this, this process, I mean, just look at a, a verse, very famous verse, the Great Commission. Then we're going we're gonna to unpack some stuff. It says in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, if you have your Bibles, open this up. This is very important. It'll be on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to have them so you can circle stuff because this is it. We're saying this is the mission of the church. It says, and Jesus uh, came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Now, why, does it, why is it important that we look at the Great Commission? Very famous text. First, I want to propose to you. Um, go ahead, please. Uh, that our mission should be grounded in Christ's command, okay? So if, if Jesus is our Lord, right, uh, Jesus is our Lord, he's our king, um, we should listen to him. Uh, we should, should be grounded in Christ's commands. And I also want to propose that the Bible talks a lot about the Great Commission, Matthew 28, guys. Uh, but I want to propose that the Bible actually shows that there's the Great Commissions, all right? And I talk about this in, in my book, Discipleship Defined. And the reason why Matthew 28 is taken out as a great commission is because it kind of has all the pieces of all the other places that Jesus provides commission. Because what Jesus does, and if, even if you take out Mark 16, what Jesus does in four different places, all after the resurrection, is he gives the same kind of, I want you to be, go to be my sent people. And he gives people this, these instructions. He does it in in uh, Luke 24, verses 44 through 49, John 20, verses 20, uh, verse 21, Acts 1, verse 8, right? And then Matthew 28, and then Mark 16, but people take that out and say, you know, that the manuscripts weren't old enough. So you can even look at Mark 13, 10, okay, if you need to. Even though I think Mark, Mark 16, even if it's not a manuscript, has the manuscript evidence, I think it still uh, sounds like the New Testament writers uh, so these commands are final in Jesus. I want you to write those down. You can look at them. And what he does, he provides this, this, this whole sense of like what it means to make disciples. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to uh, basically espouse the passage for you. And just look at the, uh, the concept of the passage. And Mac Average, you know this, but I want you to think about what you've learned. And I, wanna, I really want to sink this down into, okay, what does it mean practically? Keep thinking about that. So first, we start off, he says, um, all authority under... Heaven and, earth, and heaven and earth has been given to me, right? This is the issue of uh, that Jesus' command that he's about to say is rooted in his authority, that he is a creator of all created and uncreated things the scriptures say, 
right? And it's rooted in the authority and promise of Christ. And what he does, he says, I have all authority and everybody should be worshiping me. So here's what I want you to do, church. He gives one imperative. He says, make disciples. That's the only imperative. Everything else are participles, adjectival participles, assumptive participles, and they all tell you what to do with the main verb, how to accomplish the main verb, which is the imperative, make disciples, okay? So he says, make disciples. Here's how you're going to do it. I'm assuming you're going. That's the assumptive participle. It's an adjectival and assumptive participle. And that's why in a lot of translations, you'll see it says, go, therefore, make, while going, make, go and make. The reason why he places that, the author places it so closely connected to the imperative verb there is because he's assuming you're doing it. He's saying, if you're making disciples, I know you're going. That's his point. So while you're going, make disciples. And then he tells us, he says, I want you to baptize and teach. Okay? The word baptizo now uh, is, is the word, it means like immersion, identification. And I want to propose something here. Now, a lot of other guys um, that I deeply respect, when they, when they talk about the mission of the church, they'll say something like, the mission of the church is to make disciples and proclaim the gospel. Okay? Only reason I don't say it that way, because I don't think the text says it that way. I think that what the text does, the text says, I want you to make disciples, okay? And I think when you separate them, you make them kind of like, like, like evangelism is here, you do that, oh, and you make disciples over here. I want to propose that God sees you making disciples, you will be an evangelist. I want to propose that's bad grammar, and these guys are smarter than me, so I get it. Okay? That when you look at this text, though, He's saying, make disciples. And then out of that, he's saying, baptize. So the word is it baptizo immersion. I mean, he's, he's saying that I want, you to, I want you to have people identify with God. His point is that before you and I become Christians, we are baptized, identify, are immersed in Satan. Right? We identify with Satan's family. We're immersed in his family. And he's saying, I want, so the concept is an issue of immersion. I want you to place those, take those people out of that family and place them in the family of God. And the way we do that is through evangelism and service, okay? Now, this is where it gets tricky because the way we do baptizo is through kingdom proclamation, right, gospel proclamation, but also through our, our deeds, our good wills, what gives us opportunities to share the gospel. So our service, our ministry, right, guys? So you go, well... Doesn't that just now undefine everything? So if my, all my good deeds, right, allow me to give me the opportunity to share the gospel, but the good deeds are like here, right? You see that? Make disciples is here. And we do good deeds, but we do good deeds with the framework, the passion, and the mindset, the unapologetic focus of making disciples. You get that? Because you can raise money for a building and forget about disciple making. I've seen it. You can do max sports, and you can forget to share the gospel with those kids. You can go, well, they, they don't even understand me anyway. I just want to teach them, I just teach them soccer. Okay, guys, let's pray. And you missed it. You are there to make disciples. And so does that mean you share the gospel that day? Maybe, maybe not. It's irrelevant. It's really a hard issue, right? At the end of the day, this is all a hard issue, so we got to give each other grace. 
But we got to know that as I'm neighboring, whatever I'm doing, the goal is to make disciples. So baptizo, service and evangelism, all that is for the fact that we're going to see people become Christians, right? Then he says, and then teaching them everything I've commanded you. And now what are you going to do? So you got to teach them. You got to teach them who is God? What does God talk like? What is he like? Who are you because of God? He wants us to teach them everything that Jesus taught them. And then he finally gives us, which praise the Lord. He says, but lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, you can't do this. The Holy Spirit has to fill us and guide us to accomplish an impossible task of seeing people become more like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit guides us, fills us, uses us, rebirths them, does his thing in them, all for the glory of Jesus. All right, guys? So the mission of the church is to make disciples. We do that by going, baptizing, and teaching. Baptism, revealing itself, and evangelism and service. This is really important. And I want to propose to you guys, this is the reason why we have shaped our local body the way we have is that hands down, discipleship is the most important aspect of what we do. It is who we are about. And we get a lot of flack for that, but we will always be about making disciples, period. That's what we do. And everything that we're forming is to lead toward that end. So this, yes, sis. I think we get flack about our focus, about our methodology, which I'm going to go into in about 30 seconds. Good question. She said, what do we get about making disciples? I think we get a lot of flack about how we go about doing it. So let's recap. We have the who, those who call Jesus Lord, the what, we make disciples, the when, the mission begins at Pentecost, right? We see in the scriptures in, chapter, in, in Acts, and it continues until Christ returns, the where, we're sent into the world. It is rooted in the authority and promise of Christ and the how is in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here are the next steps, guys. Okay, we've, we've heard that. What do we do now? The question is, how do we, what do we, yes. Yeah, Pentecost, yeah, thank you. So Pentecost is a day in history when Jesus allows the Holy Spirit to come on his believers to affirm that they are part of this new covenant that he's made. And so in Acts, that happens in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 1, and when that happens, right, basically God has said, I'm ushering in this age where I want you guys to be about disciple making. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You read that, right, you'll see him, him give the promise, and you'll see it happen uh, to the guys. Well, actually, it happens all throughout the book of Acts. Uh, but specifically in the beginning of Acts, and that's the time of Pentecost, they're all in the upper room. They get uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's when God says this, this whole new age, we see it affirmed, and he's sending us out as these new covenant people. Good question. In Acts chapter 1. Thank you, sis. Does it matter? Good question. I mean, I haven't paused to, like, really constantly. Uh, yeah, so Sandra's asking, does it matter that it says baptize before teach? I, I don't want to, I think it'll be, yeah, I don't want to like kind of try to act like, yeah, it does matter. What I would say is that you have to catch fish before you can clean them. 
Um, so here's what we're going to do, guys. So, so point being, people need to you see people become believers, and then they want to be more like God, right? So here's some next steps. Um, we as a local body, we had a great meeting. I was so encouraged. We had a meeting a couple weeks ago with all the leaders of our, of our church. So it was our elder, I mean, I'm sorry, it was our, staff, our pastoral team, and then our, all our, our volunteers who lead our church. Um, in, our, in our youth ministry, in our Mac our kids ministry, and I was so encouraged. And, and guys, here's what we're talking about. We're, we're saying we want to trust the Lord in what I call the BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. And everyone laughed at me because they know what the BHAG was. And um, it's just a way of saying we want to see God do something that only God can do. And so here's what we're asking the Lord to do. Based on what we've talked about, if that's the mission, we're all affirming that. We're saying, Lord, we want to see you allow us to make disciples like crazy. So we're asking, would the Lord, by his grace, allow us to see 16 MAC groups, that means eight more MAC groups, be formed by the end of 2014? Okay? That's what we're asking the Lord to do. Do you believe the Lord can do that? Can the Lord do that? Can the Lord bring that many people? And where are they going to come from? Right? I had a good friend that challenged me. Where are they going to come from, Eric? Right? Because here's what we do. We have, we have an indigenous community where we want our neighbors to be walking with the Lord, learning about who Christ is, growing in Jesus. But also, we have people who are, who are outside our community who wants to come in and be about kingdom expansion in this community. Right? And so I want to give you specific numbers. I want you to be thinking about these numbers as we are uh, saying, Lord, can you do this in our local body? Can we see people be, become disciples? And, and if you're new here and you're wondering, what's a Matt group and, and how do you guys do discipleship? We'd love to talk to you about that. Um, because it's, the, it's a pillar of what we're about. Um, and I'm going to talk through that uh, in a moment as well. So here's what we're thinking. What is the 16 MAC groups, right? We would ask the Lord to do that. And here's how we want to see the Lord raise up those MAC groups, through us neighboring together, right? It's funny because what happens usually is we, we, we become Christians or we walk with the Lord or you go into a new community and you kind of invite neighbors and doing your thing. But then when you get here and you're kind of on mission for a while, you kind of get kind of lazy, Invite your neighbors and being inviters. Or maybe it's just me. But I, it's funny is that I usually see newer people inviting more. And I, and I wonder what will happen as the Lord continues to give us a burden and a passion to see disciples being made that we would all be inviters consistently every week into covenant community. So as we neighbor, as we do our momentum outreaches, our six outreaches, as we continue our discipleship, which if you... Mac average, you get this, new people, we, we do one-on-one relationships, um, and also we have a Mac group where every week we meet as a group uh, to redemptively engage each other um, through communion, uh, breaking of bread, talking about the scriptures, being on mission together, and through our CDC. We're saying if we're faithful and focused on those things, we talk about focus and faithfulness being our, our, our vision this year. If we're just faithful and focused on those things, I am absolutely convinced uh, that the Lord will raise up people for his glory. Yes, sir. Thank you. Community Development Corporation. Yep, so that's our, so basically that's our wing of us doing, so basically a lot of projects of renewal in the community. Yep, so our Mac Sports, our, our, um, when, we, when we do board ups in our house, when we do alley cleanups, those kind of things. Great question. So my man was asking, what's CDC? Community Development Corporation. And here's what we're asking for. I want us to trust the Lord um, that we can see about 40 people in our community, our neighbors, uh, be raised up as disciples of Christ this year. Do you guys believe that? I mean, there's 60 people. There's, over, there's almost 70. I think there's about 70 of us in discipleship relationships now. 
That means the Lord would have to use us to see one person, less than one person come to Christ this year. <laughs> Can the Lord do that? I'm, you know, I, I want us to say, yeah, are you, I, I really want you to think about this. Do you, are you, do you want to be about this vision? Can the Lord do this? Can we see the Lord? I want to trust you, Lord, to see a couple of people in our local body come to Christ that I'm trying to care for in my community and my, my neighbors. Our friends, reaching out to our friends. Wouldn't it be cool if just in our whole body, we saw 10, people, 10 friends from, from, the, from the framework of your friends come to Christ or move into the community, come to this community. If our whole body, we saw 10 people. How about your families? A lot of you cats, your families are in Michigan. Have you challenging your families to come down, move here for the sake of the God's glory? Wouldn't it be cool if we saw 10, 10 families out of, your, out of your family networks, your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or cousin to move down here for God's glory? Have you even thought about asking your, your parents who are believers? Have you ever thought about challenging your brother or sister what God's doing here? Wouldn't it be cool? Your coworkers? Have you thought about looking at your coworkers? You see them come to Christ, praying for them throughout the year, asking the Lord to allow them to come to Christ, and saying, bro, like, you know how you see your life is about now? It's about that missional mantle that God has given us. We're doing that, man. Come to our hood. Is the cause worthy enough? Did Jesus clearly tell us what to do? Amen. Yeah, right down the street. Isn't that cool? How about your networks? Just general networks. Could we challenge 10 people? You know, you know the way we get most of the people that come into our local body who come outside of our community? It's not through, it's, it's through our reputation. That shouldn't be the case, guys. I don't think that should be the case. I mean, we have cats who come from other states, and they're like, yeah, you know, I was talking to this guy, and this guy said this, and so I'm here now. Praise the Lord for that. I don't want that to be the norm. I, I'm, my prayer is that people come to our community be about God's glory because of us. So... When, obviously, by the end of 2014, where? 42.14. And why? Because it's our mission, guys. Hey, the result, more people. Why do you want more people, Eric? God is glorified more, more gospel influence, um, right? More, the more people, the more people loving Jesus in the community, the more gospel influence. And it's just a, it's just a, a beautiful snowball. And we can glorify God more in the community. Finally, this, guys, I'm going to challenge you. There's something that can hinder us, though. Um, I think the biggest thing that hinders us, if I, can, if I can give you a pastoral moment to our body, to our MacAvers, the biggest thing that hinders us is we have, we're double-minded in our priorities. I think we're double-minded in our priorities. So, now hear me here, guys, and, 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 and please believe the best, all right? Because um, there's always circumstances and scenarios. But I just want to, Map out real quick what happens a lot of times in our local body. 
Do you have a napkin or something? Wipe this off. Thank you. I just, here's what happens, guys. Because yeah, we ain't got all day, so. All right. Use a little soap at the end of the day. It'll be all right. So now, many of us, uh, there's some people, you know, who um, different reasons of emotional situations going on in their life um, where they're, they're, they're in this community, they're committed to Jesus, uh, they want to be about God's glory, and they're just not uh, able uh, uh, to be a discipling, please. Discipling. But if you know our local body, we, when you come into this body and say, I want to be part of covenant community, thanks, buddy. Uh, you, we say from the beginning, so you say you want to be a part of this covenant community, we're very clear about a couple of things. First, that you will be serving, and you won't just live here, but you would, you would be here. You would serve. You would care for this community. Uh, the other thing is the way you would do that, uh, most importantly, is that when your number is called um, and you've grown in, your, in this community and you're, you're growing in your faith, that you will be a disciple of people, that you will disciple one or two people. That's, that's what we say before you can even be in discipleship, Okay? Now, you get in discipleship and life happens, all right? Some of us have all kind of crazy stuff going on in our journey and different kind of reasons. There's sometimes it's because, man, I don't have the emotional stability to be discipling someone right now. And that's absolutely appropriate. You hear me? If, 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 if God is doing a redemptive work in your life and right now emotionally there's, there's craziness, um, pause. But that's not the norm. You know what usually is the norm, the reason why people... Aren't discipling is because I want to propose warp priorities. And what happens is people come into this community, we come into this community family, and we really think we can, we can still do the same life we were doing plus this community. And then you get really upset with us when we ask you to be committed to this community. Like, really, be committed to this community. And you go, well, that seems very rigid. But we told you that when we sat down for lunch. So what happens is people go, well, you know, you you come, and and this is all of us who struggle with this. And so I want to propose, what happens a lot of times is we'll say, here's my day, here's my day, here's my day, Here's my day. Here's my day. Oh, man, I'm so, I'm so crazy. So much stuff is going on in my life right now. I don't know if I can disciple. And I want to propose, guys, we just all agreed that the mission of the church is to make disciples. We just all agreed that's the reason why we exist. We just all agreed that that's more important than anything else you can talk about. That expanding God's kingdom, Jesus says, is more important than eating. Right? That's what we all agree to. So I want to propose, not that you are not busy. I think you're absolutely crazy busy. I want to propose that when we say we agree on what we just said we agree on, that now you start your week with discipleship. You don't start your week with your stuff. You start your week saying Discipleship is the reason why I exist. It's the reason why I'm at MacAv. It's the reason why we are here about God's glory. So my week is empty. And now the question is, where am I going to put discipleship? 
And you say, here and here. And now, knowing that you got those times, you're filling the rest of your week. When you do that, I think we're going to have very rarely people thinking when I call them that discipleship's an option. When we say we're here to disciple people. That's the mission of the church. Guys, I'm convinced. It's a pastoral moment. I just want to care for you guys and be honest enough. I shouldn't be calling people, asking if you can disciple. I should be calling saying, here's who you're going to be discipling. Because we've already affirmed, unless there's issues, unless there's some issues that are in your own formation, some things of unhealthy, some things like that, amen, we'll take time. But it should never be because I'm too busy. Not after what we just went through in the scriptures. Guys, I'm convinced if we have our focus priorities, and the other thing, if we're not, if we're owning a vision, owning this vision, absolutely we'll accomplish the mission. I think God will give us grace in that vision. And I absolutely think we'll see eight more MAC groups raised up earlier than a year. The mission of the church is to bring glory to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. You do that by making disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, we're asking people who are going to be in discipleship relationships be in a 4204 so that they can pour into the 4204. Yes. And guys, if you have questions, we can talk about it, or you can talk about it, talk about it to our leaders. We want to be extremely clear with you. Um, but we are here to enjoy the Lord and see disciples being raised up. All right, guys? And the reason why is because that's the mission of the church. There's different ways to do it. There's different methodologies. This is what we're doing. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pause for us. You think about it. Uh, we're going to do a time of, of communion. Uh, we're going to enjoy the Lord together. And uh, hopefully uh, we, will, we will really consider, man, do I own that? And that we would own it. And I want to challenge you, that list of coworkers, parents, family members, uh, your networks, pe- indigenous people in our community, let's tackle it, okay? Let's tackle it. Let's see God raise up people for his glory. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. I pray you would allow us to be a ministry that enjoys each other and that we make disciples, Lord, and we would see people coming to Christ. We would serve and we do it all with the perspective and the framework of making disciples. Give us the grace to do that. And Lord, would you give us the, 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 the framework to be able to uh, be on a journey? And if we can't right now, it's totally cool. But Lord, we pray that we wouldn't let time get in the way of your mission. We would, make, we would show that we are, our priorities are straight, and it's gospel first. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.